Welcome back to the United Pubcast. I hope everyone is doing well, but you are Manchester United fans, and uh, Manchester United have a tendency to ruin many of our weeks, and they have done this with um, they have done that this week with their loss away at Tottenham. It has obviously put a damper on the start of this season. So for this audio only podcast, I think we'll stay clearer of um, what the men's team is dishing up on the field or what they dished up. Um, in that, actually, to be fair, yeah, the first two games of the season they haven't been great. There's no hiding from that. So we'll move away from that. We'll move away from the inactivity in the transfer window and we'll focus on what was happening on our back doorstep here in Australia in the FIFA Women's World Cup and uh, it was a brilliant World Cup so thought I'd just give my two cents in and around the tournament itself uh, what it means for the game in this country how the Matildas went and then obviously sort of wrap it up with um, a huge interest of ours is obviously the Manchester United contingent we did have six players at the tournament uh, Manchester United players out here in Australia and three obviously big names in regards to the England setup, who went all the way, unfortunately fell short right at the final hurdle. But um, we'll touch on the Manchester United players, um, how they fared at the World Cup. And as I said, just my thoughts in and around. I never thought, I'm 35 years old now, and I never thought we'll ever, and I know we'll never see one in the future, a World Cup in Australia. We had our chance, I think it was around 2008, maybe. Maybe someone can correct me when we bid for the, who ended up would have been the 2022 World Cup. In Qatar, and that was our one chance. You thought, now obviously we had no chance of winning that in regards to how Qatar ended up winning that bid. But in regards to the infrastructure we had in place, we thought there was a chance at potentially getting that World Cup. That wasn't to be for many a reason. And um, I think the way the world has gone in the past 10 years, then there is no um, future men's World Cup in, in Australia. There is no doubt about that. Maybe in terms of how good this women's World Cup is, maybe there's a chance in the future that it could come back to Australian shores. But that would obviously be... Um, further down the track and who knows what the footballing landscape will look like then but um to have a world cup men or women but um on our shores um was absolutely brilliant to see and i was very lucky one of our podcast listeners rob who i'm sure a lot of you do know it was i think it was the morning or the day before the tournament started i think might have been by the day the tournament did start australia were playing ireland in sydney and i didn't have tickets to and obviously ireland where my grandparents from and a lot of my family still live in ireland and obviously my residing country in Australia, I am an Australian, of course. They were playing the opening game of the, of the World Cup, Australia v. Ireland in Sydney, and um, sent me a message a little bit before kickoff. I've got a spare ticket. Do you want to come? And I thought, oh, God, a, I think it was a Thursday night. It was a bit cold. It was a long day after work. And I thought, oh, no, it's not something I really fancy in terms of heading in there, then heading back out. And I've got an early start Friday morning. But it just clicked in regards to this is never going to happen again. We're never going to have a World Cup on these shores again. And um, I have to take full sort of opportunity to take a full advantage of the situation. And um, I went and looked the game itself. It wasn't a great game of football. It is what it is. But just in terms of the occasion, the colour, the atmosphere, the vibe, um, just the experience of being at a World Cup match, um, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And the Matildas did get a win in that match with a Steph Catley penalty, a late penalty, which was... Great to see for the home crowd, and I think any World Cup, and um, especially here in Australia, you do need that home nation to um, have a good tournament, and sort of the fans to sort of ride the wave of emotions and ride that wave. And Australia did extremely well in terms of that part, getting all the way to the semi-final. So it was a great way to start the tournament, both as a World Cup tournament, but also as the host nation. That was brilliant for Australia. So. I'll touch on the Matildas in a little bit, um, but I mainly want to sort of start this podcast just in regards to what I thought of the tournament. I think, I wouldn't say, look, I work in women's football, I wouldn't say I was surprised by the quality of football, but in terms of a lot of people's expectations and narratives going into this tournament, I don't say I pleasantly sort of was surprised in regards to some of the lesser known teams, lesser known players. 
you, you, what you wonder how they're going to perform on the world stage. But ultimately, I thought they did extremely well. Now, the best players in the world and the best teams, they obviously produce football of the highest quality. But I thought overall, the, the tournament was good. Now, a huge part in sort of women's football and women's sport at the moment is discussions and debates around equality in sport and, and women's equality. I think a huge part of those discussions, which a lot of people do shy away from, is honesty. I think the to show true equality, um, you need honest debates and honest discussions. You can't sugarcoat things or, or, or twist things. I do think you need to be honest and upfront with what you see. And at times, in, ter- in terms of the media narrative and, and the media, the punditry towards the game, I think it was a little bit over the top. We do have to call a spade a spade, and sometimes the football was poor. Sometimes there was horrendous mistakes, which, look, the men's games have huge mistakes, of course. But um, just in terms of the fundamentals, uh, I think there was, on occasions, um, times where the game was lacking a little bit, and I think you, you do need to be honest and upfront and, and call that out. Not, and look, you, it's critical when we call the men out. You have to be critical in in order to grow. And I think the pivotal stage of the, women game, the women's game is in at the moment. Um, it does need heavy critiquing. It, it does need to take that next step, and you're only going to get there by demanding the highest standards. But overall... Considering where the game has been to it now, and, and seeing some of the quality we did see, uh, I thought was absolutely brilliant, and um, it was great in regards to, as I said, the host nations doing well. But then in terms of you got the drama of USA going out, Germany going out, all these sort of big nations, a little bit of drama, penalty shootouts. So I've never seen a penalty shootout go to VAR, but it was obviously needed in regards to that Sweden USA one. The Matildas winning in penalty shootouts was obviously dramatic. England doing well in the Manchester United contingent playing their part. So in terms of what I wanted as a Manchester United fan in Australia watching this World Cup, I think I got exactly what I wanted out of it. And um, and if I'm speaking honestly, probably the main thing I did want out of this tournament was off the field in regards. I wanted to see full stadiums. I wanted to see the media talking about the game, which simply doesn't happen here in Australia. I enjoyed now. It wasn't on free-to-air free to TV as much as it should have been. But some of the big games, the Matildas games, some of the England games, they were on free-to-air, which is obviously great for sort of engaging people who don't usually tune in. And um, seeing full crowds, seeing the viewing figures in regards to Channel 7 and Optus Sport here were always releasing how many people were watching, how many people were tuned in, and that simply has never been a discussion in and around football in this country. So to see those numbers and some of the crowds in regards to games, nothing to do with Australia, nothing to do with any of the big nations. There's games between... Sort of Panama and Jamaica, I think there was one Colombia and Korea on a Wednesday at lunchtime and it had around 30,000 people to it. And that, that's simply incredible. Now, the huge reason that was able to be achieved was simply the ticket pricing. I'm not sure who was in charge of the ticket pricing. Was it um, Australia? Was it FIFA? Was it a collaboration between the two? I'm not sure, but they got it right. They got it exactly right. And my biggest sort of stumbling block in the way of me attending A-League games or attending Socceroo games in Australia is the ticket price. I just don't think it's worth... Well, I know it's not worth it, but definitely, in my opinion, it's not worth um, the ticket price. It's not worth the, the cost of admission. So I don't go to those games simply for that fact. This World Cup was far cheaper than A-League games, far cheaper than Socceroos games, and the end result was what? Full stadiums. Full stadiums in, I don't want to sort of say this disrespectfully, but nothing games. Nothing games that if you were on the TV and it wasn't World Cup, you would not be tuned into Colombia versus Korea or... 
Panama versus France, uh, those types of things, you would not be tuned in. But suddenly, if a ticket is affordable and a ticket is accessible, you're going to tune in. And uh, if, if, even at home, are you going to watch that game if it's behind closed doors or in front of 2,000 people? Probably not. But if it's in front of 40,000 people and every seat is packed when you're watching on the camera, you're going to tune in. And I just thought, I'm not sure who did the ticketing, but whoever did it got it exactly right. And it was brilliant to see. And um, long may that continue. The game needs to learn from that in this country. W- will they? I'm not sure if they will. We obviously hold out hope that they will, but I think a lot of what Football Australia will be doing now, they'll be patting themselves on the back saying, look how good this World Cup is, look how good we did. I think the World Cup brings that wherever it goes. Um, I think football now in this country has a huge challenge ahead of them on on terms of trying to capitalise on this. Will they do it? Fingers crossed. But as I said, there's many challenges football in this country does um, face. And are the decision makers in charge willing to take that next step? I'm not sure. That's obviously the next Discussion point for football fans in this country, but in regards to this country, I'll touch on the Matildas. What a ride for them, um, making the semi-final. Deserved, oh, would I say deservedly so? Probably not in regards to the football. I think the teams played far better football and showed far more quality than the Matildas, and that's not to disrespect the Matildas, but I think we did see, especially in terms of England, obviously a level above, and then you saw what Spain did to England, obviously another level above, so who knows, knows what Spain did or would have done to the Matildas, but ultimately the Matildas... Yeah, they're not the best team in the world, so so we can't expect that sort of standard of football. But for what they are in regards to especially the pressure, I wouldn't say pressure, but the attention on them to, to perform the way they did and not so much perform, but get the results in the way they did, 100% credit to them because, okay, some of these girls might only be playing in front of a few thousand people with not that sort of attention and not that demand on them. Suddenly you're thrown in front of 75,000 people with the world watching and the country behind you sort of demanding results and to perform in terms of the way they did and get over the line. And in a tricky grip, they obviously lost that second game to Nigeria, but to come out in that third and final game and beat Canada, who are the Olympic champions, I thought it was credit to them and they carried themselves in the right way. That I think, okay, that the quality of football might not have been there, but in terms of they were playing with the right intent, they were trying to get forward, they were trying to score goals. And is it, that's almost in terms of what this game needs at the moment. We don't need, like, I think if the Australian public was watching Spain every single week, I don't think this, the Australian public would re- really fancy that, even though us football fancy it, would absolutely love it. I think in terms of what the Australian, view, the Australian public viewer needs, they need that excitement, they need that athleticism, that, that sort of edge-of-the-seat stuff, and I think that's what the Matildas brought. So it's an interesting aspect in terms of what football fans view uh, as good football and what the sort of... I'd say the casual fan or the public who we're trying to attract, who we're trying to get their rise and attention, what the way that they actually like. So it would be an interesting if um, what type of football we played, how what the reaction would have been towards the Matildas. But they took full advantage of the cards that were dealt in front of them and they ran with it and they achieved, I wouldn't say greatness, but in terms of Australia in a World Cup semi-final, for us here in Australia, that is greatness, to be fair. So um, full congratulations to the Matildas. Now, there's been a huge discussion in and around them in regards to inspiring the next generation, and that's great. And, of course, they are, I work with kids at school, and they absolutely love it. Half of them came to school the other day for their soccer training with um, gloves. They all thinking they're Mary Fowler. So they absolutely love it, and there is that aspect of it. But I think of that inspiring the next generation line that has been thrown out there by the media, as I said earlier, in regards to the game patting itself on the back in this country. I think it's a little bit lazy and sort of just wanted to say, what a good job. And we don't need to look back at a job done. We need to look at the next job. And I just think we will get a little bit lazy in this country thinking we've done the hard work now. We're thinking all those casual eyes and all those new faces who have tuned into the game will just now go and sign up for their local team and start playing football. That's not going to be the case. 
we were still going to place huge restrictions in front of sort of preventing people getting access to football. And what I mean by that is we're not going to have it on free-to-air TV. Now, that sort of poses its own challenges and, and own sort of hurdles to get to that stage, of course, in regards to the media, um, corporations, the government, etc. But we're going to be put on a substandard streaming service, which no one's going to pay for. No one's going to be tuning in to watch games on, unfortunately. Registration fees at a local level and representative level are just criminal in regards to how much kids or how much parents have been charged to get their kids the best football education it's simply criminal and that is never going to get cheaper at the moment in regards to the situation the game is in that is going to continue to rise that's going to continue to drive good players or I say good players but every player further and further away from the game and then ultimately as I started sort of one of my initial points in the show was ticket prices I think Australia will look at this and think, oh, there's a good demand now. Look how many people want to come to our games. Let's make a little bit of money and up the ticket prices. It's obviously stupid, but they'll do that. Um, they should be lowering the ticket prices and getting double the people into the crowds. And suddenly you have a full crowd. Sponsors see that and they, they see a more sort of valuable product and they'll give you the money you're potentially losing out on those lesser tickets. But the game needs to take a step forward. I don't think they will. I'd love to be proven wrong, of course. All I want to see in this country is the game to grow. Um the platform is there whether they use it or not i'm pretty sure they won't i'd like to be proven wrong though but um do let me know your thoughts in and around the legacy of this world cup and what you thought um of the matildas and any other nations or any other talking points and um can feel free to have a bit of a chat on twitter with me with that finally just to wrap up the show we obviously are a manchester united podcast and there was six manchester united players representing their countries at the World Cup, obviously the three for England, but there were three other girls out here performing as well. So I'll quickly just sort of give a bit of a recap, and I, and I watched all their games. I obviously took a huge interest. Everyone knows my love for Manchester United, which I'm sure you do share as well. I thought any chance to sort of sample anything to do with Manchester United on Australian shores, I'm going to take full advantage of. So anytime one of our goals was on the TV, I made sure I sort of sat down and took full note, and um, I was really impressed with what I saw and it was really enjoyable so I'll go through all the players I'll finish with the England girls because there's one or two stories around them as well but obviously started off in Australia's group no doubt we had Adriana Leon scored a goal against sort of the winning goal against Ireland in the second group game as well so congratulations to her for that now Canada one of the favorite well potential favorites going into this tournament actually did get knocked out of, out of the group so I'm um, a very disappointing tournament for them but Adriana Leon who was on loan last season away from Manchester United, so she will come back to Manchester United this preseason I'm not sure what her future does look like but um, she looked like one of the more dangerous players for Canada. Obviously scored that winning goal as well. So that was obviously great to see. I would have liked Ireland to do well in the tournament. So that was a bit of a kick in the teeth seeing that goal go in. But obviously very pleased for her. But the right back, the main talking point in regards to United and Canada was the right back and Jade Revere. She was very good. She has big shoes shoes to fill now, though, to be honest, because Ana Bache, formerly of Manchester United, actually congratulations to her. Obviously winning the World Cup with Spain has now moved on. Now she was one of the women's best players last season at fullback, and, and Rivera obviously comes in to sort of fill that void now. So extremely sort of big shoes to fill, and she's only extremely young. So it is going to be tough for her. But the way she performed for Canada, I really liked what I saw. I thought she, she was hard in the tackle. She got on the ball. She, she tried to get forward. And um, I thought, I wouldn't say shining light out of Canada from the Canadian team because they obviously did go out, so I was disappointed across the board. But I thought I was really impressed with her, and obviously I did have an interest in regards to we need a right-back in the women's team. Our best player was our right-back in Onabache, and she has moved on. So that, that is going to be an area that needs to be addressed with that team. And Rivera is only young, there's no doubt. I'm not sure what her future is going to look like. But she did her chances, no harm, in her performances at the World Cup. So I'm um, very pleased for her. It'll be interesting to see how much game time she does get next year. But off the back of those World Cup performances, 
I think she could be the starting fullback for Manchester United next season. And um, the last one who wasn't in the England team to wrap up the trio was Vildebel Riese from Norway. Not a great tournament for Norway, to be honest. Obviously, they lost to Japan in the round of 16 and they scraped through on the final day in the, on the third group stage game. Vildebel Riese, she was very good. I, I watched the last two games for Norway. I actually didn't catch the first game. I think they opened the tournament against New Zealand. But the, se- the second and third game, she played in that number six role for Norway. And to be honest, so this is not, no Manchester United bias or not, but she ran the show. She was the best player on the pitch by a mile. Um, she was absolutely brilliant for Norway, just keeping things ticking over, sort of not really creating chances or getting goals or anything. But um, yeah, a level above, and um, she was re- really good. Now, so it's a shame Norway didn't go through against Japan because I think if they went a little bit deeper into this tournament, there would have been more eyes on Vildebar Riese's performances and maybe got a little bit more credit than what they did deserve. Especially us here in Australia, we didn't sort of keep too keen an eye on what was happening in the New Zealand part of the tournament. If she was on our shores, maybe. Um, would have got a little bit more attention amongst the Australian fans. But I'm um, good to see Vildebar Riese doing extremely well. Definitely one I'll be keeping an eye out this season um, for the women's team, no doubt. But I'll wrap up with, the obviously, the England trio. So close to greatness, so close to sort of football in immortality in terms of winning the World Cup with England and what that would have meant and football coming home, etc. That They did go so close, but at the end of the day, Spain were on a different level. I think we've seen that before against Spanish teams as Manchester United fans whenever Barcelona... Used to meet us in a final, um, obviously inferior, and that is what Spain did to the England team last night here in Sydney. So England could have no complaints. Spain were by far the better team, but it was a great tournament for England. And um, I'll obviously focus just on the individuals, the, the Manchester United individuals, but they obviously did their country proud as a team out here in Australia. They're obviously based not far from Sydney. They were based up on the Central Coast, and I think that's where I'll start in regards to get before we get into the performances of, of the trio our supporters club, our committee from the supporters club went up to Central Coast. They had an open training session. We went there to present the Manchester United players with sort of commemorative plaque, sort of welcoming them to Australia from the members of the Manchester United supporters club and sort of thanking them for their contribution to women's football and the growth, the growth of women's football and their contribution to Manchester United. So we went up there to present them with those plaques. And I think they were quite sort of surprised in a good way. I think they were quite surprised with them in terms of sort of getting that recognition from Manchester United fans on the other side of the world. And so it was a bit bit priceless sort of seeing their faces when they did receive those. I think they obviously didn't expect that. And um, I think it was a nice touch from our members to sort of present them with something and welcome them to Australia because it's not often we we do get Manchester United players here. So um, we do have to take full advantage of it and sort of make the best experience possible for those players when they are here. But um, yeah, as I said, Mary Epps came over, signed a few things. Ella Toon, she saw the flag straight away. As soon as her training was done, she made a beeline straight over, signed a few things and photos and posed for a photo with our club scarf. Katie Zeller, I always had great respect for Katie Zeller, Manchester United's captain, but went up even more so at this open training session because she was signing things about 50 or 60 metres away and it was coming to the end of the time and she had to sort of run off and the coach was calling her off and she's running away, I said, almost half a field away and, and I think someone called over and she sort of turned and saw the Manchester United flags and she ran straight back over and said, look, I shouldn't be doing this, I need to sort of rush off, but Manchester United fans sort of thing and nice to meet you. And she signed a few things as well and took her time for photos and everything with the members there. And that's all you want as a Manchester United fan. Okay, they're not the Cristiano Ronaldo's or the Marcus Rashford's. But in terms of, I've done episodes before, touching on the, the stories of these women players, and especially Ella Toon and Katie Zellum, their stories, as, their stories as footballers and as Manchester United fans is just like anyone else in terms of they're absolutely living the dream. And to, to be able to meet them and sort of pass on our thanks, it's um obviously... 
um, a moment that we'll always remember. So um, and credit to those girls in regards to the way they've handled themselves, not just on the pitch as players, they've obviously performed extremely well, but off the pitch, um, giving members th- those moments like that, um, as said, will, will last a lifetime. So it, it was great meeting those players. I actually had a, a weird encounter as well. It's in the city. It's actually the morning of the semi-final. Um, England against Australia. England, obviously, down in Sydney for the match. Uh, I was at a cafe in Sydney or like a shopping arcade where there was one or two sort of takeaway shops and could hear a few English accents behind me, turn around, who was there? You wouldn't believe it. It was Mary Earps, Ella Toon and Alessia Russo, obviously formerly of Manchester United. And they were brilliant, to be fair. I, I thought it was, oh, look, it's match day, so I didn't want to disturb them too much, but I asked, do you mind if I have a quick photo? And they said, no, no, of course, anything for Manchester United fans, we, we do appreciate the support. And I did have to let my feelings know and, and say, look, I am Australian, I would like Australia to go through, but anyone who knows me knows that Manchester United does come first. I said, I'd like a clean sheet for you, Mary. Ella, I'd like you to get an assist for an Alessia Russo winner, potentially. Now, that's not how it played out. Alessia Russo and Ella Toon got a goal. What a brilliant goal it was from Ella Toon. And no, no clean sheet for Mary Earps, but they did get the job done and beat our Matildas en route to the final. But um, yeah, a little bit of a surreal moment there. And um, as I said, moments and encounters like that for Manchester United fans can last a lifetime. So it was obviously great to meet them and interact. And um, obviously, they, they did have a very good tournament. We'll look at Mary Earps first. Fresh off winning the, the best goalkeeper in the World Award a few months ago has come into this tournament. Now, obviously, very disappointingly, doesn't win the, the World Cup in the final, but got awarded the Golden Glove, um, best goalkeeper of the tournament. And, and she did have a very good tournament in terms of some of the saves. Kept it. Now, England, I think, were quite comfortable in a lot of games and deservedly got through to the final. But on another day, one or two chances go in for the opposition and they're having a far different story about their performances and their and their results. And a lot of that is down to some big moments by Mary Earp. So, um... Great to see her perform the way she did here in Australia. Next up, as I said, Katie Zellum only had the one appearance. Actually, she came off the bench in one game just before the penalty shootout against Nigeria. But the one game she did play was a third group stage game against China. She was brilliant. Um, now she pulled the string. Now, obviously, China wasn't the strongest opposition. I think England were going to win that game comfortably no matter what. But obviously, she came in for the injured Kira Walsh, I believe, and she was brilliant. As I said, a little bit in the vein of sort of Vildabar Riso, not sort of scoring goals or getting sort of creating chances or assists, but just in terms of keeping things ticking over and dictating play. Katie Zellum's one appearance um, for England was absolutely brilliant. It was probably in that in one of the performances of the tournament. Obviously, Lauren James stole the headlines for her performance in that match. But um, yeah, the, the one time Katie Zellum got the chance, um, she absolutely took it, and it was it was great to see. And I said uh, earlier, um, in regards to our interaction we had as members of the supporters club, um, as a Manchester United captain, she's handled herself absolutely perfectly in this tournament, no doubt. And um, the last one, obviously, Ella Toon. What a goal in the semi final it was what absolute dreams are made of. Put, banging it into the top corner in a World Cup semi-final, it doesn't get any better than that. Now, I'm sure she's sitting here now, unfortunately, probably saying I'd rather it happen in the final, of course, but oh, what a moment it was for her. Um, a br- brilliant, brilliant goal. A bit of a slow tournament for her in regards to performances, but in terms of, I think the games that have not passed her by in a bad way, in terms of they were just played in different areas and found it hard at times to get in, but in terms of their big moments, she definitely did step up. And it was great to see her uh, perform and do that on the world stage. I think she's a bit of a fan favourite amongst Manchester United fans. Obviously, she's a local girl. She loves the club. She's grown up supporting the club. Now she's living her dream in terms of representing England and, Manche- and as Manchester United's number seven and performing the way she does. So um, it, was, it was great to actually meet her, get one or two things signed, and then obviously watch her do her thing on this on the world stage here in Sydney. And um, that, that's a goal that will be replayed over and over, no doubt. And it was such an incredible strike, almost outside of the foot, bending away into the top corner. 
albeit it was against the Matildas, but um, as a Manchester United fan, I was actually quite glad to see that. Not that the Matildas went out, but I'd love to see a Manchester United player succeed. So no doubt. So Ella Toon, a brilliant tournament in regards to a key play for England. Number 10 for England, number 7 for Manchester United. That's brilliant to see. Katie Zellm didn't get the appearances that she would have wanted, but when she did, she, she made it count and she performed very well. And Mary Earps, what can you say? Um, best goalkeeper at the tournament. Actually, the goalkeeping, I've been extremely critical of goal, uh, women's goalkeeping, and rightfully so. And there were, there were one or two howlers from goalkeepers. But on the whole, in terms of some of the big goalkeepers in this, I think the ones that do stick out, the Swedish goalkeeper, who I believe is the Chelsea goalkeeper as well, and Mary Earps, they stood up in big moments and big saves. And I think it was, it was a sort of great sort of step forward for women's goalkeeping because it is something that comes under huge scrutiny. And as I said, rightly so. But they do need to take that next step. And from this tournament, you'd have to say it's a step in the right direction. And that's all you can ask for, both from the individuals, but also the countries and teams themselves. All you can ask for is that the steps are taken in the positive direction. And I'm glad I sort of did get involved in this Women's World Cup, attended a few games. Very fortunate enough to meet a few of the players, as said. Actually, one of the other players I haven't mentioned was the former Manchester United player, Netherlands player, Jackie Grunen. I randomly met her. I was walking through the city one day. My wife said, can you go look for one or two restaurants that we were going to dine at the next evening? So I just had to walk down, kill him some time. Um, down around the Rock Circular Key area, and I saw a few ladies walking in sort of big sort of football jackets. I thought, I wonder what jacket that is. They obviously were part of the team, and I saw the Netherlands logo. I thought, oh, it must be a Netherlands team. Thought nothing of it, and it must have just been subconsciously in the back of my mind thinking sort of something about the Netherlands. And I saw one of the players. I said, she, God, she looks familiar. Who's that? And she walking towards me. I said, that must be Jackie Grun, obviously formerly of Manchester United. And I just sort of said, excuse me, are you Jackie? And she sort of looked in a little bit of shock. Said, yeah. And I said, I'm a big Manchester United fan. And I welcome to Australia. And I think she was more shocked than me that she was recognised in Australia. And um, she was actually a great value to talk to actually for a couple of minutes in and around. As I said, she was a little bit more taken aback herself. And um, she was talking about Sydney. And they actually needed some directions to the Harbour Bridge of all places. I said, you literally can't miss it. Turn around the corner and you'll see it but um yeah another small world in, in regards to obviously not of manchester united anymore she has gone to psg and, and she actually had a very good tournament for the netherlands herself but um yeah as i said just in regards to engaging in this world cup as i said fortunate enough to meet a few players go to a few games and um ultimately the matildas performed extremely well manchester united's contingent performed extremely well and it is what it is um football in this country still has a very very long way to go there is no doubt about that but the game is better off for, for having this World Cup here, there's no doubt. Um, it's up to football where it goes next. But all in all, I very much enjoyed this month and it made sort of getting through the Manchester United pre-season a little bit easier. But the pre-season is over, the World Cup is over. We have to deal with the reality that is Manchester United now. And um, the, what they have dished up at the start of the season, it doesn't look like it's going to be great viewing anytime soon. But um, fingers crossed they can turn around, turn it around and um, get back to where... We should be, no doubt about that. But hopefully you did enjoy that. So something a bit different to take your mind off the defeat at Tottenham. If you do want to get involved in these audio podcasts in regards to if there's a random topic or a random play you want to talk about, something like that, feel free to get involved um, and get in touch with us. No doubt, no issues at all. If you do want to get involved with that, if you want to talk about a famous, famous match or famous season or former player, etc., or a topic like this, something a little bit, we can go a little bit, bit, bit more in depth in, feel free to get in touch. We'll love nothing more than to have a chat with you. But um, whatever your podcast does, podcast app does allow, whether it be a rating, review, whatever, if you could do, please give us a rating or review. It would be very much appreciated. It definitely does help the podcast grow. And um, 
if you do need a little bit more daily content, head over to YouTube, the United Pubcast. Catch, catch me and Larry over there. But um, until then, I'll chat to you next week and um, have a good week wherever you may be. Until then, cheers.